You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Hope you guys are doing super great this week. We are in part four of our series, What's in a Name. We've been walking through these different instances throughout Scripture where Jesus or God gives someone a new name, and uh, it's been really awesome. We talked about Abraham and Sarah. We talked about Jacob. We talked about Paul last week, and this week uh, we are going to talk about one of the 12 disciples, and that is Peter. And we could spend months talking about Peter. He was one of the primary reasons the early church grew after Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, last week, we talked about the fact that Paul was a Pharisee. He was highly educated. He was a Roman citizen. Roman citizen, And Peter is pretty much the opposite of those things. He was a Hebrew fisherman that was chosen by Jesus. And he was probably surprised that he was chosen by Jesus. And others might have been surprised that a rabbi would have chosen Peter too. And yet, he becomes the leader and the spokesperson of the 12 disciples. What's really interesting is throughout the Gospels, um, if you see the disciples listed, Peter is always first, and that is not on accident, that he was seen as a figurehead for the 12 disciples. He was somebody who spoke a lot. He had a lot of influence among the other men, and people followed him greatly. And as we will see throughout this message, um, there's there's instances where you see why uh, Jesus chooses Peter, And you also see uh, some instances where you shake your head and go, why did Jesus choose Peter? He was a leader. He was passionate. He was in touch with his emotions. And he was often too emotional and too passionate and became clumsy. And he was obviously imperfect. Um, This week, I want to wrap up the series by doing kind of a life study of Peter. Specifically, I want to look at his name. Super shocking, considering the title of the series. Um, And I want to... Talk about how he's addressed in different situations throughout Scripture. So we're going to start John chapter 1, verse 42 says, When Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. So that's our baseline. This moment where Jesus meets Peter and he says, You're Simon. Your dad is is this guy. But I'm going to call you Cephas, which is translated Peter. In this moment, Jesus sees Peter and tells him that he's going to call him by a new name. However, as we will see tonight, there are actually three tonight. I say tonight because I usually preach on Tuesday nights, but you might be listening to this in the morning. So today, as we'll see, three names are used when talking about him. Uh, Simon, Simon Peter, and Peter. And it can be really easy just to write that off, but like we have talked about in the past, as we talked about throughout the series, that, that names hold meaning. There are dozens... And dozens of scriptures about Peter. He's referred to as much as anyone in the Gospels outside of Jesus himself. Now, before we jump in, I want to make sure that, that you know that I'm not making, I am making zero absolute statements about the usage of Peter's name. What I'm going to attempt to do is lay out what often seems to be happening when different titles or different names are used throughout scripture. And that is not just me uh, making assumptions. It's with the help of pastors and theologians who are much smarter than me. Um, but I just, as we read scripture, like, and as we're interpreting scriptures, we're talking through it. Just know I'm making, I'm not saying this is absolutely what Jesus was doing, or this is absolutely what Peter was doing. This is absolutely what the uh, disciple or the apostle John was doing. What I'm saying is this is what it seems to be happening oftentimes. Um, so let's first look at a few verses where Simon is the name that is primarily used. So the first one would be this Mark chapter one, verse 29. It says, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. 
in Luke chapter 5, it says that Jesus saw two boats, two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets, and that they go to Simon's boat. So what's happening in these two passages is Jesus is just using a secular name that has been assigned to Simon. That he's like, hey, this is what your parents named you and what your friends know you as, Simon. I'm just talking about something really simple and human here. Your name is Simon. But then we go on, Luke chapter 5, verse 5. It says, Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the net. So this is the story where Jesus goes to them and says, hey, have you caught anything? They said, no. He said, throw your nets on the other side. Simon responds, well, we've, heard, we've worked really hard all night and we've caught nothing. And it does say, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets. But we see a little bit of like the hum- humanity of Simon saying, but like it's been really hard. It's been a really long night. I just, just want to go home. In Mark chapter 14, verses 37 through 38, it says, Then he came and found them sleeping. This is Jesus in the garden. He says to, he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into tem- to temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So what's happening is it's addressing Simon's humanity. His, his humanity is is his flesh. It's weak. It's broken. It's his broken nature. It's his human nature. So oftentimes when Simon is being used, or Jesus specifically says Simon, he is speaking towards his flesh. And then Luke chapter 22, verses uh, 31 through 34, we see this interaction between Jesus and Simon or Peter uh, right before Jesus is about to be taken before the courts and be crucified. It says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when, and you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And then he says this, I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will not crow today until you deny three times that you know me. So he uses both Simon and Peter, but at the beginning when he scolds Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. He's pointing out, a denial that's about to happen, a sin that is about to be committed on Peter's behalf. So this is the point that I want to make uh, out of these scriptures is this, is that Jesus engages with our humanity. Jesus engages with our humanity. What we have to realize is that all of these instances are not just at the beginning of Peter's walk with Jesus. This isn't just at the very beginning. They're spread out throughout the entire journey. And it would be really nice to think that after some, some, small time, some short amount of time spent with Jesus that that he's never referred to as Simon again, but he is, that throughout his journey with Jesus, Jesus addresses his humanity. And Jesus was not afraid of Peter's humanity. He engaged with it every single day. He lived life with him for three years. He would call it out. He would challenge it, but he never used it as an excuse to send Peter away. All of these things that presented themselves in Peter's humanity do the same in ours. That, that, that his humanity is oftentimes seen in our humanity. And I hope it serves as a reminder that Jesus isn't looking for a reason to send us away, but for opportunities to pull us in closer so that we can hear him more clearly. Peter was brash and he was quick to speak without thinking first. He made tons of mistakes, but Jesus kept walking with walking with him and he kept inviting him to go deeper. I want to make two crazy statements. One, I am not a perfect dad. And two, my 10-year-old makes mistakes and that can lead to some arguments. But when I want Maddox to really learn, 
the most effective way to communicate him, with him is not the way that I would naturally do it. Like if we are in some kind of argument, I want to raise my voice. I want to put my foot down. I want to show that I'm the boss. I'm the dad, that I have authority, all of these different things. But that's not what Maddox responds to. What Maddox responds to is when I go, come here, sit next to me. Let me put my arm around you and let me talk to you with clarity and a calmness. And when I can do that, he listens more clearly. And I think what, what we need to remember is that Jesus is doing the same for us, and he did the same thing for Peter. That he drew, When he had to address his humanity, when he had to, to call some things out, he pulled him in close and said, I love you, and I need to have a conversation with you. He's not looking for a reason to send us away. So we looked at some scriptures that, that, that use the name Simon. Now let's look at some verses that use the name Simon Peter. Luke chapter 5. Uh, verse 8, this is right after his human response of, but we've been working really hard all night. It says this, it says, when when Simon Peter saw the catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, because I am a sinful man. He's having his eyes open to the glory of Jesus and what Jesus is trying to teach him. Really, if you look at the entire gospel of John, you see the, the, the title or name of Simon Peter. And what's really interesting is that the disciple, the apostle John, was one of Peter's closest friends. He was walking with Peter every single day, and he often uses Simon Peter. And I think maybe what he's trying to do is he's trying to hold these two things in tension. He's like, I see Simon. I see my friend Simon, the human over here, who is broken and messy and emotional, and he does stupid stuff, and he acts without thinking, and all of this different stuff. But I'm also seeing Peter. I'm also seeing this new man that Jesus is slowly regenerating, that he's making good decisions, better decisions. He has more patience. He's not so impulsive, all of these different things. So he lands in the middle and he says, I'm going to call him Simon Peter. And then even 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, we see Peter writing about himself, writing about himself, introducing himself. He says this, Simon Peter, I, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have received faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, that Peter himself introduces himself in this way, holding these things in tension. I am not who I was, but I am not quite who I am supposed to be. And this is the next point is that like, like Peter, we are becoming. Peter was becoming who God had called him to be. We are becoming who God has called us to be. And I think one of the reasons that Peter resonates so deeply within myself and many of you is that he is so obviously imperfect. Scripture is full of his failures and it's full of his successes. Also, because his journey is documented at length through the scriptures, we see that his story isn't a single moment of redemption and then it's just glory after glory after glory that follows. He has massive moments of faith, and it's followed by massive moments of failure. And we can relate with that, right? Like we have time that, that we are doing the good, and we have time where we're not doing so good, and all of those different things. And so, so we can relate with Peter. The, the peaks and valleys of Peter's life and the peaks and valleys of Peter's faith are painted really, really clearly. And I think about the fact that, that Peter was the disciple who got out of the boat when Jesus was walking on water. When Jesus was walking up on water, everybody's like, it's a ghost. What's going on? Like, There's someone walking on the water. And Peter goes, Lord, call me out. I'm going to walk to you. And Jesus says, come. He said, come on. And Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on water towards Jesus. But that's the same Peter who not that long later is standing in front of a little girl who says, I think you were with Jesus and Jesus is being persecuted and he's about to be crucified. And Peter goes, I don't, I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. It actually says that, that Peter cusses at her. 
The same Peter who got out of the boat is the same Peter who would deny that he even knew Jesus. And here's the beautiful thing about Peter's life and Jesus' response to those peaks and those valleys is that Jesus was never keeping score. His intention was to use Peter and it never wavered. Personally, I've had successes and I've had failures throughout my life, but my value has never changed and either has yours. Would you remember that Jesus is not keeping score of what you do well and what you do poorly? You see, Peter and the process of life are a tangible representation of the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy of Jesus. Would we not forget that that grace and that mercy and that forgiveness pertains to us too? Don't despise the process of becoming. Don't despise the process of becoming who God has called you to be because it is a process. Jesus doesn't despise the process. Jesus calls us to lean in to the process. Now, let's look at the name we commonly use on this side of history, Peter. To start, we have to look at one of the most powerful passages in Scripture, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. It says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus responds, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So what we see in this is all three statements, all three titles used. It says that Simon Peter, the man in process, responds, I believe that you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And then he points to him and he says, you, Simon, old flesh, son of Jonah, who you are. I'm calling that out, who you are. But then I'm going to say this, but who you will be, Cephas, Peter, the rock on which I will build my church, the rock. You are going to be foundational to the church being built. Jesus, knowing the fallibility of Peter, makes a statement that probably took everyone by surprise, including Peter. Even when Peter wavered throughout his life, and even when Peter wavered in his confidence about Jesus, Jesus never wavered in his confidence about Peter. There are more than enough verses to pull from, but really all we have to do is look at the book of Acts, the incredible account of the early church. The book of Acts starts with a beautiful prologue, and then it jumps right into Pentecost in chapter 2. That The Holy Spirit falls on the disciples. They start speaking in tongues. People are amazed because they're like, how are they speaking in, the, in, in our languages? And they're starting to hear the word of the Lord preached. And who gets up to preach? The crazy, loudmouth disciple Peter stands up, Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41. He gets up, he speaks a message, and this is what it says. It says, with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. I'm sorry, I started too, too late. It says this, when they heard this, the people heard Peter's message. They were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. So this is a promise come to life. I have no idea how many times people questioned if Jesus misspoke when he called Peter the rock on which he would build his church. They're like, that guy? 
the loudmouth, the the quick-tempered or ill-tempered guy, the guy who who cut off somebody's ear, who like all, all these different things. Like this is the guy. This is the guy you're gonna call. I, I wonder how many times Peter questioned it. Me, like I'm broken, man. I don't think I'm the one that you should build your church on. But all of a sudden, through the power of the Holy Spirit f- indwelling within Peter, I don't think anybody was questioning it anymore. <laughs> they were like, oh whoa, that guy paired with the Holy Spirit. Look. Out, what Jesus spoke with confidence, most likely years before this moment where the Holy Spirit indwells within him, is now being seen and it is being received with confidence. Thousands of people were coming to know Jesus as their Savior through that loudmouth disciple who had denied even knowing Jesus not that long ago. The man who stood around a fire and denied that he knew Jesus was now preaching in front of thousands of people, and people were coming to know Jesus in a new and amazing way because of his faithfulness. Peter would become exactly who Jesus told him he would be. When God said, when Jesus said, you are the rock on which I'm going to build my church, he meant it. And who does Peter become? The rock on which he builds his church. My prayer is that the life of Peter would teach us multiple things. One, that what the world calls us is a little significance at the end of the day. Two, we aren't going to arrive on the side of heaven, but we can set off on the journey anyway. We can be people who appreciate the process. And lastly, what Jesus calls us is far more important than everything else. That when Jesus calls you chosen, when he calls you son, when he calls you daughter, when he calls you beloved, he meant it. And the, the promises and the callings that he's placed on your life are more important than anything that the world has to offer and anything that the world would call you. Let us be people who step into the process. We, we might be Peter. We might be broken. We, we are. We are Peter. We're broken. We're fallible. We're messy. We're going to have really big successes. We're going to have really big failures. We're going to have huge moments of faith, and we're going to have small moments of doubt. But Jesus isn't scared of that. He engages with our humanity. He keeps his promises, and he walks with us every step of the way. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.